Jay right in your face. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode one of The Fadeaway. Yes, I think we uh, had this concept planned out about a year ago now, uh, but with some special Egyptian standard timing, uh, we're finally uh, getting this started. So, uh, your hosts, myself, Fatty, I, uh, I'm a huge Raptors fan, as some of you may know, a big NBA junkie, love stats, love talking about it, uh, shout out Hoops Rant, that's, that's, my, that's my scene right there. Um, yeah, I'm just talking basketball all the time, and we figured, you know, might as well kind of put something together. Uh, without further ado, my uh, my counterpart himself. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Zaid. I'm also a huge basketball fan. I've been watching since uh, Vince Carter days. Um, biggest, most favorite player to ever play was Tracy McGrady. In fact, in grade five, they used to call me Zadie McGrady because of my... Uh, <laughs> How I used to emulate my game around him. I used to wear number one as well. Um, so yeah, just like just like Fede was saying, we him and I both love to discuss basketball, debate basketball, uh, anything around the league that goes on, any headlines, any news that goes on around the league. We always have to discuss things and always see different sides of um, different stories, different headlines that go around around the league. So we thought, why not make this into our very own podcast and see how far we can take this and. This is purely out of our enjoyment, and and it's purely for um, us to reach people um, and show them how we think and what they may not see when they see certain stories or headlines or news come around in and around the league. Awesome. So uh, I think some of you guys are wondering now the fadeaway. What's what's the fadeaway? Well, the fadeaway is actually a nice little play on words of both of our names being Fatty and Zaid. Uh, and then obviously the fadeaway is the shot that I uh, specialize in on the court. It's actually my highest percentage shot. Uh, yeah, we not, do not we do know how to spell the word fade. Just, uh, just yeah, the F A E D is it's definitely a part of the plan. We promise. Um, but yeah, so in terms of what we're gonna talk about today, we figured make the first episode uh, just a recap of the season, everything that's gone down so far. I know it's only been about 32, 33 games. Uh, into the season, but there has been, uh, you know, a whole lot of storylines, especially starting from the summer, free agency, uh, keeping guys in, trading or drafts even. So uh, there's there's definitely a lot to discuss. So we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about some trades that went down uh, throughout the season, uh, as well as some acquisitions that happened throughout the summer. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the rookie class this year uh, and then kind of transition over to best slash surprises at the NBA and then disappointments uh, or worse performances in our opinion obviously uh, so far this season so to start uh, we will talk a little bit about uh, trades so what I'm going to discuss actually is uh, the Jimmy Butler trade but I'm going to discuss one half of it so I'm going to discuss the the impact that Jimmy had on Philadelphia so to a Raptors fan you know sitting down and you're hanging out having a beer with your friends and you check your phone you see Jimmy Butler has just been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for I believe it was Saric and Covington uh and then and then you kind of just sit back and you're like wow you know we just gave away our guy we got Kawhi Leonard you know this is the year and then just like that you know one of the really the top three four teams in the in the east from last year I just picked up, you know, undoubtedly one of the superstars of the league. 
Um, I know that throughout the, the first little bit, we did hear some things about, you know, maybe Embiid was a little bit unhappy with his role. Uh, so it kind of did force me to dig into this trade a little bit and, and look at from a statistical standpoint or from, you know, their records since uh, what his impact really has, has been, you know, aside from all the different opinions of guys on the team, right? So he did make his debut on November 14th, 2018. Um, I did look at sort of what he was before versus after. Uh, I know that uh, the Philly record actually heading into that trade was 13-7. and seven. Uh, Since then, they're 9-6. and six. So I wouldn't really say that, you know, it's been a, they hit the ground running and, and they're evidently a lot, lot better. Uh, but what I did really see is, um, I, also watching them last year, they really didn't have... A veteran superstar go-to guy um, when you look at their superstars you look at you know one Ben Simmons uh, he just made a 22 foot jumper last night I think that was like the, the biggest shot of his furthest of his career yeah, furthest of his career so that kind of goes to tell you a little bit about their shooting and their leadership uh, and then their other superstars a seven-footer uh, Joel Embiid now don't get me wrong he's special he can definitely make the three but you don't really want that guy being your your go-to three-point shooter you want him down low pounding with the bigs you know going in, getting the rebounds, putting it back, and then maybe stepping back here and there for a three. So, you know, initially off the bat, I looked at this and I'm like, okay, they finally got themselves a, you know, a solid shooter. I think Jimmy's shooting around five threes per game. He's shooting at about 40%. So that's a really good statistic. I and mean, he's shooting about, what, two, two and a half makes for every five attempts. I mean, he could shoot a little bit more in today's league, but in terms of his, his conversion, he's converting at 40%. Um, now, I did look at Butler uh, in his last five years. So in, in the last five years, as a, as a player in the league, uh, he's had minimum 20 points a game, five rebounds a game, three assists a game. That's average has been a minimum since the last five years. He's actually 12th in scoring in the NBA amongst guards and forwards in that time frame. Uh, and he actually has the fewest turnovers. So that actually alludes to uh, my next point a little bit. Uh, we know Ben Simmons is great. Ben Simmons is... Uh, you know, a triple-double machine, and and I think he broke the record last year for rookie triple-doubles. He's on pace to shatter triple-double records. But a huge, huge issue with Ben Simmons has been his ability to protect the ball, right? So he's kind of made a, a name for himself as a turnover guy. Um, you know, uh, when he played against the Raptors a couple games this year, Kawhi really pressed him. I think he had like 11 turnovers in the first two games, minimal scoring. So... There are times where you need a guy who's proven to, to protect the ball and having somebody over the last five years really have the fewest turnovers among all guards and forwards is, is definitely a huge benefit to your team. He's actually 30th among all guards and forwards in rebounding, uh, 32nd in assists. And actually what stood out to me was uh, he's actually seventh overall in steals in the last five years, but more importantly, he's first in minutes logged. So you look at health. Uh, as a thing where, you know, you just picked up a guy who obviously there's there's no doubt what Jimmy Butler can do, but you look at his longevity, his, you know, proven track record over the last five years, playing all the games and, and really being a, a really good force on the defensive end as well. I'm looking at this team and I'm like, you know, maybe right now they're not that much better than they were before. They did have Saric and Covington uh, who were, you know, good players. They're not scrubs by any means. You got Redick in your starting lineup. Um, guys like Ben and, and Joel that are special, but you know Jimmy Butler is just there for the big shots in the playoffs. He's there for 
you know, down the stretch. I think there was a, a couple games this year where he was the go-to guy in the end, and he hit a couple game winners. So you talk about clutch factor. And then veteran leadership. This guy's been to the playoffs multiple times. He's he's faced adversity. He's played with the Bulls. Uh, you know, he was with D-Rose when D-Rose was D-Rose. Uh, and then after that as well, when he took over the team, he, he went to Minnesota, took that team to the playoffs in the West. So when you talk about, you know, grit and, and experience, I think that they really did get a good player in in that i don't think it makes them a lot better than the raptors i'm looking at them now and they're not really that deep uh but that's just my opinion what do you think now one of the things that you get from this trade um especially on minnesota's end uh, is you get rid of jimmy butler's drama and he brings that drama to the sixers and as a raptors fan that's yeah. what you hope he continues to bring to a team especially we see reports that um that Joel Embiid is, isn't, isn't happy with his role. He's become more of a stretch five now. You know, yeah. there's no more room inside, especially and which 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 um, which addresses the problem that another problem that Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have your point guard that can't shoot the ball, and Ben Simmons is not, he's a point guard. He, he's a big man playing a point guard position, and then being a point guard, you can't shoot. You're not gonna be able to space the floor well. So the ball's gonna be in your hand, and you're gonna be dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. There's no room for anyone to operate. So. You hope that there's issues there. Uh, but from Minnesota's standpoint, I mean, they didn't really lose much on the trade. You already had Jimmy who wasn't going to re-sign. Um, so you, all you got to do is get the best for what, for, for Jimmy Butler. So they got uh, Dario Saric and Robert Covington. Uh, those are the, I think those were the two main guys in the deal. I'm not sure if there's anything else, um, uh, other kickers in the deal. Um, but you got Dario Saric. He's 24 years old. He's still on a rookie contract. Um, he becomes a restricted free agent in summer 2021. I mean, they're a young team. You're investing in young guys. You have Carlton Townsend Wiggins who are leading the team, and they're young guys. So you're going to want to get young talent. Um, he shoots. He shot 39 percent from the from the three last year. He struggled early on in the season, only shooting 30 percent while he was with the Sixers. Um, but post trade, he started shooting 36 percent from the three. So you see an improvement. You see him getting more comfortable with Minnesota, more comfortable with his role. And you got Robert Covington, a guy who's 28 years old. Uh, he signed an extension earlier on this year with the Sixers. Roco. Before he was traded. Four years, $47 million. So not too much. Um, and you essentially have him for his prime. He's he's free. He's a free agent in 2022. Um, so it was in, in three or four years. He's going to be 33, 32. I, I love Robert Covington, man. I, I think he's such a sleeper. Like, he, a lot of people overlook him in this trade, mm-hmm. you know? And he, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure he starts for them, right? And he's, he does. He's, and he, you're getting a great 3 and D kind of guy. You know, your, 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 your perimeter becomes longer, becomes more athletic. Um, he's a great guy to put on the best play, best wing player on the team. You don't want Wiggins to be worn down playing on the defensive end. Um, he can't play on the can't really end. play on the defensive end, but he's athletic enough. But he, you don't want him getting worn down. You want him to focus on scoring, uh, maybe doing a little bit of rebounding if he feels like it sometimes. Um, but the key here is that for this for, for the for the Wolves, you're you're investing in your future, you're investing in young guys, um, and then you look at Wiggins and Cap post trade. And before trade, um, their post trade numbers both increased. Obviously, the roles have increased; they become the one and two guys. But you see the impact of this increase more on Wiggins. You see that his three his points per game went up three three points. His rebounds per game, assists per game, um, he plays at a faster pace as well. Now, it's obvious because Wiggins becomes goes from being the third option to the second option. When he, when Jimmy was there. He became more of a spot-up shooter, maybe you know, coming off screen and shooting. Yeah. Now he can actually move. He can he can move with the ball. He becomes a slasher. He becomes a guy who handles the ball, who, who runs the offense. And that's what you want from Wiggins, especially when you invest 
uh, four years, $147 million for Andrew Wiggins, you're going to want him to play like he's four years, $147 million. And then you also got, got Cat for five years, $158 million. So you've got all these these four guys for another three, three, four years, and you want them to build together, you want them to grow together, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, Tom Thibodeau can, you know, really make something out of it. Tibbs. Uh, Tibbs. He can, especially as a defensive-minded coach, so he'll he'll love to get a guy like Robert Covington, um, but you'll hope that he can get something out of his young guys and really grow the young guys. For me, I think a lot of the, the like, Covington is one thing, but a lot of people don't don't really take into consideration Sarge. Like you mentioned earlier, he's still on a rookie contract. Yeah. You're looking at a guy in Jimmy Butler who is going to request a maximum regardless. He's going to require and he's going to deserve it, right? I mean, we talked about him in the last five years being a force. He deserves that money and he knows it. Uh, you picked up a guy in Saric who's he's not a short guy. Uh, he's definitely experienced. He played in Europe and we know how those European guys uh, coming into the league are, are very experienced. Shout out Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, so we're looking at Saric as... He's a rookie contract guy. You said he's 24 years old. He's still young. You can mold him. You can shape him. He's a big kid. He's got IQ. Yeah. Uh, and I really I really like Covington. I think you nailed it on the head. These guys were going to lose him regardless. They picked yeah. up two really solid guys for him. I think Philly uh, I think Philly bought in too early, if you ask me. But, I mean, they probably are in a win now. Stay with their afters yeah. in Kauai and Boston being what they are. Um, so we're we're looking into that as well, but uh, but yeah, I really I really like that trade for Minnesota. It's it's a, it's a, it's more of a win win. You know, each team gets essentially what they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly needed some sort of veteran, some sort of go to guy down the stretch to put them. You know, give give them the ball and take me there, take me home. Um, and and at the end of the day, Minnesota needed some young wing players, and they needed to get rid of Jimmy Butler more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. So yeah. when you look at it from you know uh, a high level perspective, you can't really say. One team lost, one team, and one team won. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, Philadelphia gets the better guy, the better player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both teams really, really got what they needed. Um, but as a Raptors fan, you hope that, you know, the drama and, and all, all, all of the disagreements really explode and so that we can actually win the East. Absolutely. That's the goal. And that actually takes me, uh, well, it takes us, rather, to our next trade that went down. Um, Kawhi. 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 Kawhi and Danny Green for our boy, Debo, DeMar DeRozan. This one uh, honestly really hurt me because I really focused on the DeMar aspect of the trade and, and how he's impacted San Antonio. Uh, there, You know, it's... Sad. It, it, it's really sad because, you know, at the time of the trade, as a Raptors fan, you sat there and you're like, okay, this guy Kawhi, his voice said he wants to go to LA. You know, he's a free agent next year. And this is a guy in DeMar that... For the first time as a Toronto Raptors fan, really, you have a guy who wants to stay here. A guy who puts the city on. He, you know, I think he tweeted back when Chris Bosh. Uh, yeah, something like, I got yes. us Toronto or something. Like, so, so I mean, he, he loves the city of Toronto. He gave back. We gave him. You know, it was really, it was a good two-way relationship. And he loved being here. So, it, it really, honestly, like, it really hurt us at first. But when you take, you know, take a second and you just think it through and you go, why why is this happening right so i break down sort of the spurs and how they're doing so far because as a, as a debo fan i figured you know he's gonna go to he's gonna go to san antonio he's got pop he's got lamarcus he's got pop he's got you know a couple good role players there but really most importantly you got a system and and that's something that we always felt here as a raptors fan as raptors fans that demar needed a system there was a lot of times down the stretch where casey would go to him i saw him and he just you'd feel like he didn't know what he was doing, right? You put him in a system, you know, this guy's going to be in good shape. 
So I looked at um, more so his stats this year versus last year, but I don't want to focus too much on his offensive production because DeMar DeRozan is DeMar DeRozan. There's no doubt that he can put the ball through the basket at a very high percentage, uh, only if he's shooting inside the arc. But uh, <laughs> And that's actually something that all jokes aside that I want to focus on. So this year he's actually uh, 48% from field goal, which is great. Uh, that's what you want from your guy. Uh, but then if you actually scroll over a couple a couple columns to the right, you look at his three-point percentage, it's abysmal. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It, I'm just going to make you make you guess this. What do you think it is? You're lucky because I was looking into this. I was looking at actually, I think, uh, a player com- by player comparison between Kawhi and DeMar, I think he's yeah. shooting 17 or 18% from three-point. 16.2% from three-point. Yeah. And considering this guy has not missed a single game this year, and this is your shooting guard, this is your two. Uh, it's It really just doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me at all. Um, we look at the Spurs and their system and what they've run. They had Gary Neal in there. They had Danny Green. Don't forget that finals against the Heat where both those guys were record-breaking three-point shooters. So Pop will create shots for three-point shooters. When you're not a three-point shooter, you just clog up the lane, right? So another big issue that we had with DeMar uh, was his lack of defensive ability. He just, ability you know, what or want. Yeah, the whole desire. Yeah, for sure. He he almost just took the defense off so he could play offense. And then when he did play offense, he wasn't shooting threes. I mean, last year I think he had a bit of a spurt where he was shooting threes, but really not not nothing that was a threat. So I look over at um, at uh, Debo and and sort of what they've been doing. Um, their defensive rating is actually one eleven point two. That's like four hundred and third in the NBA. Uh, sorry, that's his personal defensive rating. Uh, is he's 430 in the NBA in defensive rating, which wow. is for a guy who's at this point top 50, you know, been on all star for the last seven, eight years. This is unacceptable considering you're not shooting threes, you're not really playing defense, you're really only contributing through two point shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Spurs had a terrible, terrible start, um, but actually, in their last nine games, they've turned around. I think a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was checking the standings, they were sitting at 14th, and I was like, man, how, how is a pop team? Sitting 14th in the West. Uh, I checked last night, and I think now they're up to ninth. Um, they're, I think, one game out of the playoffs. And they're 7-2 and two in their last nine. So I got to thinking, I'm like, why did they just all of a sudden improve? So I'm looking at DeMar's stats since then. He's actually shooting an average of, I believe it's two to three shots less per game. And he's averaging about two to three assists more per game. So we're now looking at a guy who really, I think, heading into this this year, averaged about like five assists a game in his career, mm-hmm. is at this point, I think, putting up a, almost eight assists a game. Or I think that's what he jumped to in the last nine games. Something like that. He, he, he's gone up like significantly. In the last nine games, I think he was out, he's been averaging about 8.2 assists per game through that stretch. So you're looking at a guy who's gone away so much from his shots – and he's dishing the ball to his teammates. And and we see that that is an improvement with DeMar. And I, I can kind of allude to Pop a little bit in that, in the sense where he probably sat him down and was like, you need to watch yourself on tape and you need to let me know, are you worth the, what is he getting, like 30, 33 or 30 million or something like that? He signed before Kawhi, before he signed, Kyle. He signed so, before. He's got a five-year, $130 million deal right yeah, now. He's so, in the middle of that. So he's getting, he's getting himself, he's getting paid handsomely. Um, for a guy who does not shoot threes, does not really play any defense at all. Um, so Pop, you know, Pop is all about the accountability. He probably sat him down and is like, if you think that what you're doing here is is productive, then we have a problem. 
So we see that shift a little bit in his game. I, I you know, I'm going to closely monitor this because I actually am uh, going to the game where he comes back to town. It's going to be very nice. emotional. Nice. Um, but Debo is definitely one of my favorite players ever, and it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good to monitor the next couple, couple weeks, especially couple months before the All Star break, just to see if San Antonio is on a rise or if they're just, you know, at a hot streak right now. Maybe a couple teams took the holidays off. They're slacking a little bit. So. Um, that's pretty much my take on the DeMar trade. Uh, I, I don't think San Antonio is as good as they had hoped. And I don't think San Antonio fans were expecting this because a lot of people in Toronto media think that, you know, DeMar is DeMar. You know, how do you trade DeMar? He's the greatest. He's this, he's that. But there's a lot of holes in DeMar's game that really affect the team long term. And you're looking at a team that hasn't missed the playoffs in 20 years. And they're now hovering around ninth time. The, the, right? The Spurs are, were another team that they had to get something... For Kawhi, just like just like the Minnesota Timberwolves had to get something for Jimmy, Spurs had to get something for for Kawhi, and if they get anything, it's a win because last year Kawhi stopped playing eight games into the season, so they had already lost Kawhi for nothing, essentially. Um, and when you talk about the comparison, player by player comparison between Kawhi and and Demar Derozan this season, um, and you mentioned the assists, Demar's averaging six point three assists on the season, and then Kawhi Leonard's only averaging three point one. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something you alluded to earlier where you said it, you give credit to Pop, and that's part of Pop's system, you know? Pop's system forced people to move the ball, mm-hmm. forced people to pass the ball. They got, I'm, I'm sure they're the, they're the upper, upper echelon of the league when it comes to um, field goals assisted, you know? Yeah. So, obviously, you see that point in DeMar's game really improve now. But when you look at the other stats, rebounding, points, blocks, uh, steals, Kawhi has the edge, but not by much. You look at 27 points per game right now, Versus 23 points per game. Mm-hmm. Only four points. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Blocks, 0.6 versus 0.5. Yeah. You got steals, 1.8 versus 0.9. Obviously, Kawhi is the better defensive player. There's no doubt about it. And he's slightly better offensively. He can shoot the three. He, he's got a dribble. He's got a handle better than DeMar. Obviously, DeMar, we know that he, he his 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 rep here was that he didn't have that great of a handle. A lot of times, he would lose the ball. Handle the life. He, he used that handle life trainer. It didn't really work out that much for him, but... Obviously, the Raptors got the better player in that scenario, um, but obviously it comes at a cost. We've only got we only got Kawhi for one year guaranteed. You also become that franchise that gave away the franchise player. You know, how does a player know you're going to stay loyal to that to, to them? Right. That's that's something you take as a hit when you make the trade. It's but, already hard to get people to come here. Yeah, now, exactly. Now that, that's a different perspective. For you you got to make blockbuster trades to get them here. But as far as what we get, we get two guys that are championship pedigree. Guys that have won, they won with the Spurs in 2014 and, and, and Danny Green and Kawhi. And you see that you see Kawhi won the, the finals MVP that, that year. That's kind of when the Kawhi era, Kawhi era began. Um, he only played the eight games last season. So you hope that, and he, it's looked like he's been getting better and better. He's shaken off the rust now that we're 33 games into the season. And you can see that you know he came in 100%. And that's exactly, that's exactly what you want to see as a Raptors fan. Um, in the last full season he played, he averaged 25.6 rebounds and 3.5 assists. And that's exactly pretty much what he's averaging right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's at 27, roughly 27 points and 8 rebounds and uh, 3.1 assists. So he's doing just as well as he was doing, if not better, than he was doing on the Spurs. Yeah. Which takes away the whole, he's just a he's system, just a system guy. guy. Right? Exactly. Um, so, but the biggest thing in the trade that you get is that you get a guy who's a defensive wing. Um, a lot of our issues was last year was that we didn't have a guy who can guard the no. team's best player. We tried to throw for years. I remember when we got Demario Carroll. 
Remember that. We're like, oh, now we're here. Now we're here. Four years, 60 million yeah. of straight injury. And exactly. Brick City. We never had a guy who can guard the other team's best player. Now we have. Now we try to throw, you know, guys like Siakam, OG, OG. We throw Kawhi. We have a good rotation of guys who can guard the best wing player, mm-hmm. and that comes up huge in, in the playoffs, especially when you go up against LeBron for three or four straight years. Mm-hmm. You have nobody to guard this guy. We had James Jordan, James Johnson, guarding LeBron in one playoff season. We're like, oh, this is the guy. This is not the guy. Yeah. Right. You need a guy with length, strength. You see Kawhi's hands are big, and a guy who just has, you know, the 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 the, um, the initiative. He takes the initiative to actually guard guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a kicker, you also get Denny Green, a guy who's experienced around the league, who's a 3 and D Better guy. Me. And you get a two-guard who could play D, which is what DeMar couldn't do. So your, your, your wing defense becomes significantly better when you bring in Denny Green. And you're bringing again, and Denny Green, he's only, he's only, I think, on contract to the end of the season, but you know he's going to stay. He's not going to kind of get the kind of love that Raptors fans give him in any other city, right? You know he's going to stay here for his whole career, probably, because we're going to give him some good money. Fans love him. He's going to be loved. You already told me that he uh, he visited your Puma store. He did, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he and so he's, he's going to be loved in this city. So you get a guy who's going to stay here long term, and then you get, you get a guy who you hope you can really convince. You know, we got Drake posting Instagram pictures for him, for Kawhi, telling, you know, hopefully convincing him to stay. Um, we got nice cold weather here. So, you know, you hope that, you know, all these, all these things in Toronto, um, great organization, you, you hope that he's going to stay. But another part of it is that what if he doesn't stay? How bad off are we? And that's one of the, that's the opportunity cost you get out of trading a guy like DeMar DeRozan who had. You, you're going to make the playoffs in the next three years. That's mm-hmm. how much his contract, how much seasons he has on his contract. You yeah. know you're going to make the playoffs for those many years. But now you don't know about next year. You don't know about the year after. We got a bunch of young guys who mm-hmm. have proven they can win without Kawhi. Yep. And the games that he's had rest were probably like what nine and two, something something around there, right? Ten and two. I think. Ten and two. We're we're winning games without Kawhi, and that shows. How great Nurse has been. Yep. That shows how great guys like JV have been off the bench. That shows guys how great guys like Kyle Lowry have been in being able to lead this team. And you have the surge of uh, you have the the recent surgence of Pascal Siakam, who could be a guy that we sign long term. Yep. And say here, here are the keys to the team. Take us somewhere. Yeah. No, I uh, yeah. I, you have to remind me that Danny Green came to my store, literally <laughs> the day after I was working there, and. I think he's like DMing my manager now, and I he's responding to him. No, he isn't. I swear he showed me, and I and then I DM'd him like three times, and he didn't respond. He didn't yeah. respond. So I'm waiting. Hopefully he comes by this store again. He's been to every store. I think. He I think he, I don't think he's been to Milton, but he's going. He's making a he's, tour. He's on his way. Um, but I mean, speaking of of the Raptors as well, you can't help but think of the Milwaukee Bucks no. and what they've been doing, you know, a lot lately. So I want to talk a little bit about how I think that they won this summer and why I think that they won this summer. Uh, aside from obviously hiring a new coach, which I think you're going to comment mm-hmm. on a little bit too, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this guy that they signed called Brooke Lopez. Um, I, I didn't really look too much into Brooke Lopez because um, as, as a fantasy guy, he's not a hot player. You look at him, like he's not, he's, I think he's like hovering around like 11 points a game. Nothing too crazy, like no, nothing crazy at all. But I did look at things that really stood out to me. Um, he's shooting a career high 6.7 threes per game, career high, making a career high 2.4 threes a game. This is a guy who, in the first eight years, this is almost a decade of NBA basketball, he averaged zero makes and zero attempts per game. Traditional big man. Zero makes and zero attempts per game for an entire decade. 
of being in of being a seven foot center, and you are now going and almost shooting better than half of the league. This guy's shooting; he's making two point four a game. If we got Demar to make two point four a game, <laughs> I think we'd have a ring. You know, so that's that's one thing that really stood out to me. But another thing that honestly blew me out of the water. Uh, this whole like new looking into NBA stats thing has me going crazy because these guys track everything. Uh, I was looking into his offensive rating. He's a top 10 player in the NBA in offensive rating. And this is a guy who's averaging 113. Uh, sorry, 113. He's averaging 11 points per game. So he's not he's not James Harden. He's not Kevin Durant. But he's a top 10 player in offensive rating, meaning he is efficient. He's productive. And when he's on, they're doing very, very well. You look at his defensive rating. He's 101.7. Number one in the NBA sitting at 97.8. So this guy is a total net rating of plus 11.8. His career net rating is minus 3.1. Career net rating of minus 3.1, meaning his defense has significantly been worse than his offense for his whole life. And now we're looking at a guy who's got a variance of almost 10 points. He's leading, the not leading, but he's top 10 in the NBA in almost both of them. And this is translated to them being successful i think the milwaukee bucks are one of the top three-point shooting teams in the nba i think at one point this season they had more uh more threes made than the warriors so this that goes to show a little bit about you know what they've been doing down there and when you look at really their go-to guy Giannis antetokounmpo is not a shooter he's not a guy who's gonna torch it up from three but you got guys like brooke lopez and other key role players that they've added that makes them really scary i think they've beat us twice this year two and Mm oh one without Kawhi and one with Kawhi. And also without Kawhi, they didn't have Giannis as well. So it was pretty even, right? So not too much to say on Brook Lopez, but those key things I think are sleeper facts that are really taking them all the way to the top. Well, yeah, they sit at second in the East right now at 23 and 10. So no one really pictured them being this high up in the East. No. You know, people picture them more, you know, four to six on the, you know, on the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But it's insane to think that one of the biggest acquisitions in the offseason was not a player. Yeah. You know, you get a guy at Coach Budenhoser, obviously um, had a couple bad seasons in, in, in Atlanta the last few years, but you get a guy with a lot of experience. He's been an assistant coach um, for the Spurs, so worked alongside Popola since 96. Mm-hmm. Um, he came into the, he has a career, uh, had coaching record of 213 and 197. Now, not obviously the margin there isn't large, but you have to take into account not many coaches have winning records um, for their careers. A lot of coaches have bad situations, bad years, um, pick up jobs in bad places hoping to rebuild them, and it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't work out. So the fact that he's got a plus 500 record is is, is phenomenal. Um, he was also responsible for ATL's, um, for the Hawks' resurgence, um, and that's when they were actually called the Spurs of the East, back when they had Jeff Teague, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, and Kyle Korver. Um, obviously, the team broke up eventually, but you bring in a guy like this who really preaches ball movement, a guy who preaches... Um, who actually has a system and knows how to coach a team. And you give him guys like Giannis, you give him guys like Chris Middleton, you give him guys like Tony Snell, you give him guys like Brooke Lopez, guys who are all lengthy, all athletic, all know how to play, all move the ball. Like, you're going to get good productiveness out of everybody. And, you know, it's it's insane to see because I think um, the, the last head coach was Joe Prunty. Some, I think he had gone, um, he became the interim head coach after Jason Kidd got fired, mm-hmm. and they just hired him on full-time. So you, you, you go from having, you know, a 
coach who's not really known or respected in the league to a coach that actually has some sort of pedigree and some yep. sort of respect amongst the players, you're going to see the players actually respond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you've seen. That's what you've seen. You've seen Giannis having, you know, you can say he's in the MVP conversation. You can say, he, you know, he's he's one of the top players in the league and it's, it's evident that he is. And he's been able to lead the team um, alongside Coach Buds, Coach Buds and to the second in the East. And there's no complaints you can't complain if you're a Milwaukee fan at all. No, and he actually uh, yesterday picked up the ball from half, took one <laughs> dribble and dunked it. So, uh, to talk about the Greek freak, I think it's it just goes goes to say his name really says it all. Um, actually, it's funny you bring up uh, sort of obscure choices for best acquisitions. One mm-hmm. being a coach, and my guy right now is a guy who was with his team last year. So it's not a guy who switched teams. He's with his team. Um, but he has just been on a tear. This guy uh, goes by the name of one, Paul George, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Paul George, to me this year, is such a sleeper mm-hmm. in what he's been mm-hmm. doing in OKC, and especially the last couple games, couple weeks rather. He's got a couple 40-pointers, couple 30-pointers, double-doubles, efficient, winning. They are winning games His in defense. Oklahoma City. They are looking like what they looked like a couple years ago. Um, so I did really break down a little bit, um, comparing his 2017-2018 his stats and, and really figuring out why. Why are they better? The team really hasn't changed all that much. I think they picked up PG. They, they re-signed PG, rather. They dropped Mello. Uh, and then they signed Dennis Schroeder to come off the bench. So key signings, but you can't tell me that these guys are, you know, before the season that you had this, this sort of expectation that OKC would be you know, second or third in the West, right? So we look at, you know, his 2017 stats. He was putting up 21.9, grabbing 5.7 boards a game and averaging about three assists a game. Uh, And we see that now translated to 26.3 points per game. So he's got about five points per game more. He's actually rebounding 8.4. So he's he's putting up three more and uh, one more assist per game. He's shooting more. So his twos, he's averaging about two field goals more per game. Uh, threes, uh, obviously more per game. And, and I guess you can give that uh, or give that the name called the mellow effect because I think everything that negatively happens in, in an NBA team that has to do anything with mellow is because of mellow. Um, shout out Houston Rockets. Uh, so total shots, he's putting up 20 a game. And this is actually a career high for Paul George. So this is a guy who in Indiana was a superstar, had a freakish injury, came back. Right. And is now finding his way back. Now he's averaging the most shots per game. He's putting up 26 a game. He's hot. I can't even explain it right now. His offensive rating uh, versus last year versus this year, he's gone up two points. And his defensive rating, he's gone down five points. His net rating is plus 10.6. Last year was plus 3.6. So we're looking at a guy who's not just improving statistically, but he's also improving on defense, on the, the, the intangibles that you don't really look at as a fantasy player or as a guy who just watches, you know, Thursday night nationally televised OKC games. I looked at this uh, this statistic called pace. So pace essentially is a stat around um, how quick a team plays. So it's the amount of possessions you, you take per game. Um, so his pace has gone up and it's actually at a career high. So there he's averaging about uh, 104.94 in pace right now. And that's sitting about, I believe, top 20 in, in the NBA. So we're looking at a guy who is playing quick basketball compared to what he's played in his career. He's averaging more possessions a game, more opportunities to score, more opportunities to help his team win games. Uh, and then I look at OKC as a team. They're fifth in pace in the NBA as a team, second in total rebounds, 
First in offensive rebounds, first in steals, 22nd in turnovers, which tells you, A, they're stealing the ball from you, B, they're not letting you steal the ball from them. Uh, and then lastly is their second defensive rating. So they're playing defense, they're rebounding the ball, they're efficient, and they got five guys averaging double digits when you look at Dennis Schroeder, Steven Adams, uh, as well as Jeremy Grant. And then obviously you got Russ and PG doing their thing. But um, actually you can even say Russ is having a, a pretty slow season, but Schroeder's coming off the bench, 16 a game. Buddy from Florida was his name, Billy Donovan. Uh, Billy Donovan is looking really good. I know he was on the hot seat a little bit last year, but they're looking a whole lot better. Um, but man, PG signing to OKC makes them scary with the way the Warriors are struggling right now. They blew them out in home. I think they beat them by 30 at home. So don't sleep on my guy. Don't sleep on PG. He's he's coming and he's hungry. So oftentimes you don't see uh, players with defensive chemistry. Uh, anytime you have two top players, you know you look at guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You looked at Demar Rose and Kyle Lowry last year. You only think about the offensive end. But these two guys, they lead the league in, in steals. I think they're one and two in the, in the league in steals, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. obviously helps put OKC's defense in like a top two defense or a top five defense. Um, and you look at their their chemistry in, in all, all in all, like you you get you drop Melo obviously, which seemed to be the answer for them. Didn't really work for the Houston Rockets yet, yeah. um, but obviously you expect you didn't really expect them to do to do this well just yet. Um, now another acquisition that you have to talk about, not so much a surprise to anybody. It seemed like it was LeBron moving to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I wouldn't technically Shocker. say this is a job well done by Magic and uh, Rob Palenka. It seemed like LeBron wanted to come to LA more than they wanted to recruit him. And it seemed like they had him all... I feel like LeBron booked the meeting with Magic, not the other way around. Exactly. They had him in the bag already, basically. Yeah. But when you look at his impact in LA, obviously, you know, LA, um, LeBron came to do, to focus on maybe life post, post-playing post career. Um, that was really what drew him here. But also to turn around the franchise. This is never... LeBron has never, ever been in this situation. Anywhere he's been, he's planned out who he's going to play with. He's planned out what he's going to do with this team. And he's he's basically come to a ready-made team. Um, when you go to his move from Miami to Miami and then from Miami to um, to uh, back to Cleveland. Now, um, you look at the roster that LA has. They've got 11 out of 17 guys who are under 25 years old. Now... That's huge, especially for the young core like Lonzo. You got Brandon Ingram, you got Kuzma, you got Josh Hart, and now even Zubats has been playing um, some pretty good basketball in the absence of JaVale McGee. So, you know, you come from a team last year where you take a bunch of scrubs almost to the NBA Finals and essentially a team that was actually assembled midseason because of trades um, to a team that has a lot of hot young talent. You've got some pretty solid veterans in Rondo. Um, Lance Simpson can give you, he's a, you know, he's a hit or miss sometimes. And you got JaVale McGee who's almost playing the best basketball of his career. So you, 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 you look at the impact he can have on these guys. He can really, really uplift, especially guys like Lonzo. I'm a, you know how big I am on Lonzo mm-hmm. and how big he can be. Shout out Tecla. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know how like sometimes confidence from a friend, sometimes just a, a friend saying, hey, you know, you can do this, mm-hmm. sometimes lifts you up. Imagine your idol saying you're a good basketball player. Crazy. How, what is that going to do for you? And you see Lonzo starting to show flashes of... You know he can lead a team. He can he can he can be a, a guy that LeBron can play with. And then now all they got to do now is figure out who is the second guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's had a great impact on a guy like Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. Um, I think he just Kuzma being able to see how LeBron works every day and yep. how he comes in. You know with the, with that with that you know championship mentality mm-hmm. has really uplifted Kuzma. Kuzma's kind of 
lifted himself to be that second guy, but not quite enough yet. You know, LeBron needs an all-star, so hopefully someone like AD comes around next season or the season after that. Um, as much as LeBron can do, there's a lot of problems that they need to fix still. Yeah. Um, you need guys to shoot better or you need to bring in shooters. Guys like Josh Hart, guys like B.I., guys like Kuz, guys like Lonzo, you need to shoot better. You can't just be guys that teams can leave open, mm-hmm. right? That's not something that... LeBron has to play with guys who space the floor, guys who give him room to operate, guys who, when he drives, he can kick and trust um, to make and knock down those shots. Um, and then, finally, obviously, what I alluded to earlier is that they need a second All-Star. And mm-hmm. that's where LeBron's impact may be seen the most in, in re- being able to recruit guys in the offseason and being able to talk to guys. You know, you hear about him going to dinner um, with AD after his game with the Pelicans. You hear about all the tampering, drama, and all that. Um, but <laughs> guy doesn't care, man. Exactly. He doesn't care. He, You know, uh, he sees nothing wrong with it. No, um, not at all. And, but that's the thing. He, he, he always has encouraged guys. I remember seeing an interview saying, I've been encouraging guys to come to my team since 2007. Obviously, being in Cleveland, not, not a really hot spot to go to. But he got guys to go to Cleveland. He got Kevin Love, to, essentially, to come to Cleveland. I don't know who he's traded for, but Kevin Love wanted to come. Yeah. Now Kevin, Kevin Love has stayed there. right? So he can really do a lot of damage just by being a recruiter for L.A. Yep. And, and, and he, I, I'm sure by next year, by next year he'll have you know, that second all-star on his team. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, and we talk about these young guys on the Lakers and... It sort of uh, transitions us into the next conversation about rookies. I don't want to focus too much on this this rookie class because I feel like it's really a one-two punch, it's and then one, everyone is just like, "There's a couple like, guys like Jaron Jr. or Jaron James Bagley, or whatever his name is." Really good role players. Like Sexton could be a guy in the future, but nothing really stands out to me. But uh, my guy Luka Doncic, I drafted him in fantasy, and everybody laughed at me this year. Um, so he's obviously, I think, everybody's landslide pick for rookie of the year. I was looking into him and what he's been doing this year. He's first in rookie scoring, uh, and he actually leads Dallas in scoring as a team. So this is a team that has Harrison Barnes, who's a champion, who's played on the Warriors, who's, you know, he's played with veterans. You know, we're not going to call him a superstar, but he's definitely should not be outscored by his rookie point guard, who's 19 years old. Definitely not. Uh, you got guys, you know, on that team who are very capable, but he's he's definitely their leader. And he also alludes to Dennis Smith Jr., who's their point guard pick last year, right? Yeah. So you don't want to forget about him, and, and then you look at Doncic, and it's almost like, did they forget about DSJ? Did he kind of fall off the map a little bit? Um, I, I looked also at Dallas's stats or, or as a team over the last couple of years, and what really stood out to me from last year to this year was – um, their pace as a team, their pace uh, has definitely gone up about five points. So that means they are definitely getting more possessions per game. Uh, well, when you have Luca dribbling the ball and handling the ball for you, um, a lot of people come. Yeah, step back these. But a lot of people <laughs> coming into the league. I looked at this guy. I'm like, this guy's fat. Like he looks, he looks fat. <laughs> he looks unfit, but he's super quick. He's definitely leading a quick offense, which is really a surprise to me. Their net rating, uh, offensive and defensive, has gone from minus 2.9 to now a positive uh, 0.5 it's not the greatest variance but it's definitely a move upward their defense is improving uh sorry actually their defense hasn't improved that much their defensive rating is almost identical to their offense that's improving uh they went up three points in rating on offense uh points per game they're up at 110.7 versus 102 uh and what uh, one other thing that stood out to me is uh rebounds 45.5 per game versus 41.3 and uh, this this kind of opened my eyes a little bit. They're now 15 and 17. 
to the naked eye, that's two games under 500. It's not the greatest record. Yeah. Uh, at this exact point last year, this team was 9-23. and 23. Okay, so this is a team that they added DeAndre Jordan, who's abysmal from the free throw line, who doesn't shoot. Great center. Yeah, he's a good better. defensive player. Uh, but, I mean, their defensive rating hasn't really increased that much, so you can't really look to him. Um, but you got to look at your leader. You got to look at the guy who's night in, night out coming in, making the big shots, making big plays. Night in, night out, he's playing like a veteran. This guy's 19 years old, walking on the court, step back threes, corner threes over guys to tie the game. And it's just been really a pleasure to watch. You look at, I mean, it's pretty much, I think he, if he keeps playing like this the whole season, I think he's pretty much got it in the bag. Yeah, for sure. Usually, you know, the Rookie of the Year award isn't so much a team award. It's more of a um, who, who, who filled up the stat sheet mm-hmm. award, you know, highest points, highest rebounds. Obviously, something that can separate you, though, is your impact on the team. Now, John J. Ayton isn't falling much behind when, in the stat category. He averages 16.6 points per game and 10.9 rebounds a game for Phoenix. So, you know, your big man is doing his job. He's averaging a double-double already first year in the season, first year in the NBA. You can't complain about that. Got him on my fantasy, too. Exactly. So, <laughs> the issue with Aiden and why I will give Luca the nod, the, the, the nod, and I'm sure you will as well, is that you don't... Their team is 8-26. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they've got, they're tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Cavs. Year in, year out. Yeah. So... You don't see a guy like him leading a team. You don't see a guy like him lifting the team up. You know, you you look at you. You mentioned um, Dallas's record earlier. This uh, at this time last year was mm-hmm. eight and twenty-three. Yeah, right. That's exactly the same record eight and twenty-six that the yep. Phoenix Suns have. Yep. So, in order for DeAndre Aiden to really, really, you know, try to get ahead of Luca, not that it's not it's not impossible. Um, they really got to start winning games, and that comes down to you know him learning to play in the NBA, him learning to play with guys like. Like uh, Devin Booker and him, them really just starting to you know put the clamp down on teams and and not being not being not allowing themselves to be an embarrassment against other teams. Um, I mean, like he's got he's got better numbers in all categories against um, guys like Con Sexton, you know Marvin Bagley of the Kings, um, who's also um, you know f- flying a little bit under the radar. But mm-hmm. when you've got the worst record in NBA, it's kind of hard to give it to you when we've got another guy who's leading a team, leading a team. Um, and all like a, a lot of stack categories, leading the team emotionally as well, yeah. and they've got a flat out better record than them. So there's no way that um, at this point in the season, at least, that Aiden can really overtake Luca, um, which doesn't which, which doesn't really come as a surprise to me. There's no one that can really compete with yeah. Luca at this point. Uh, also, another thing, it's not really that big a deal, but Aiden does have a year of age on Luka. on Luca, and he's also played in North America. He's played American basketball. Uh, I know, obviously, Luke on the flip side played international don't from age 13. Yeah, he's, he's been a uh, pro. Actually, it's, it's funny. I don't know if you heard Mark Cuban's comments last week about our guys here in the States or Canada should spend a couple years in uh, in, in Europe. Yeah. I don't know if you heard those comments, but Harrison Barnes took exception. They like, interviewed him, and he's like, oh, I didn't think it was funny, or I didn't really understand what he was talking about. because well, he's not a good player. Well, I, yeah, when you yeah. brick every shot you take in the, in the finals and you lose your game seven because you went over 67 from three, uh, you know, really, you look at a guy like Luca, 19 years old, he's more poised than a lot of these guys. So it is definitely a great experience, and I think Mark Cuban hit it on the head. These guys are coming in very experienced, uh, but you can't take away from the competitiveness, you know, the difference in competitiveness from here in Europe, the physicality, the build, the the game itself and how it's played is very different. So you really applaud uh, Luca. And uh, just to wrap it up, I want to do I want to talk about uh, my surprises and my disappointments. Right. So to start with my surprises, I got uh, two teams who really 
uh, are a shock factor right now is one the one seed in the West, Denver, the Denver Nuggets, and uh, the five seed in the West, the LA Clippers. So to start with the Clippers, the Clippers lost in the last couple of years, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, um, and that was their big three. So you look at a team who's lost the big three in the West, your assumption is, okay, you're going to take a couple of years before you you know make your way back mm-hmm. into this. They made a couple of key signings. They got Tobias Harris, who's been great. They got Lou Will, who's been great. They got Shea Gilgis Alexander, shout out Hamilton, Ontario, shout out, shout out Canada, um, who's really been a solid young guy who's who's really developing. And they got a, I guess, a good coach. I never really believed in, in Doc Rivers much until this season and seeing what he's been doing with them. It's really impressive. That's the difference. They they took away his president title. Yeah, so I can focus well, on coaching. And and actually, I was I was really looking at the reasons why Denver and the Clippers are. A surprise, and it's funny because they're actually the complete opposite. So the, the things that you look at at at, Clip, at the Clippers that make them the the better or a surprise factor are the things that actually Denver is lacking, and then vice versa. So I look at uh, the Clippers. My my main takeaways: their defense is whatever. Uh, it's nothing great. Um, they're not really stopping many people. It's for me, it's their offense. Their offense. They're fourth in offensive rating in in the league. They're fourth in free throws made. Uh, when you look at their, you know, last year with DeAndre Jordan being on the mm-hmm. team, wasn't the greatest. So they've gone up to that. They're fourth in field goal percentage. They're ninth in pace. So they're playing quick basketball. They're getting a lot of possessions. And then you look at their defense. They're 30th in steals, last in the league. They're 25th in defensive rating, almost last in the league. So their their defense is whatever. It's more so their offense. They're electric right now. I don't even know they're scoring like 110 points per game or some, something crazy like that. But then you look at Denver and how they're the first seed in the West. And their offense is, eh, it's okay. Jamal Murray's all right. Jokic is good, but he's kind of been, you know, one game he'll get you 20, 25. The other he'll get you 15, but he'll get you 10 rebounds and, and eight assists, right? So he's doing that aspect of it. But their defense is nuts. Like they are, they're top, they're like top five or top 10 in defensive rating. Uh, they're 10th in the league in steals. Uh, they've improved that defensive rating four points year over year. Uh, but then you look at their offensive side, they're 26th in pace, so they're slow. They don't they don't take many possessions. They don't score much. Uh, they're probably waiting for Jokic to make it all the way up the court. That, <laughs> that guy eats every time he's on defense. You want to talk about unfit? You look at Nikola Jokic. Um, they're 12th in field goal percentage. They're 20th in free throws. So their offense is whatever to me it's it's more so their their defense it's it's really standing out they're they're grinding they're stopping teams and and that's more so my surprises for the league so so how do you think it's um return to the denver nuggets impacts what denver's been doing especially with pace you know you got a guy who plays faster he's smaller obviously he's gonna want to push the tempo but you got a guy who's a defensive liability so that that their defense kind of takes a hit there so what do you think happens when he comes back that's a good question i even think of that because they also got michael porter jr who's also going to come back to in the guard position they got jamal and and uh i think it's gary harris as well as guards so i don't even know man i I never really thought about it and what he would do to the team i i don't imagine he would fit in well considering this team is gritty and defensive um Mm -hmm. you throw that guy in any sort of pick and roll and it's a disadvantage right away right and it's not to knock him uh, it's just the way of the league. It's just the way it is. Like that. That's those are the facts, right? So, I don't know. I never really thought about that. I just I don't think it would be the best fit for this team. Now, 
when it comes to surprises, not all surprises are considered bad. So something that I've actually been pleasantly surprised and that we've all been pleasantly surprised is the surgence of one uh, Pascal Siakam. Um, a guy who... Skills. Skills. P-skills. A guy who really, you see that he benefited from the coaching change, from mm-hmm. moving from Casey to Nurse. Um, he's actually playing 10 more minutes than he was last season, so he went up from 20 minutes wow. to 30 minutes. Um, and he's doubled his average in points from 7 to 14. That's so now, you know, you've given him the opportunity, and he's responding. His rebounding and assist numbers have also been up. And you are taking that this guy has been known as a defensive-minded player. You know, I remember seeing interviews of Nurse saying, you know, hey, like, you know, you've been rolling offensively, but don't forget what made you what made you earn these minutes. You know, mm-hmm. it's been your defense. For sure. Minutes. So you look at a guy who's really made a name for himself defensively, and now it's he's really taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, his plus minus went from 3.7 to 8.1. So he's doubled his plus minus wow. as well. Um, so you can see he's, you know, he's given an, he's given an a increased role with the team, and you've seen that his impact on the team has actually been benefiting the Raptors. Yeah. Um, you mentioned stats like pace. Uh, offensive rating, defensive rating, all up um, by significant margins, and his usage is obviously up by. I think it went from fifteen percent to seventeen percent. So mm-hmm. you saw, so you see that large role coming in, um, and I had, I had alluded to it earlier that this guy could be, especially what people are saying around the, uh, uh, like GMs are saying around the league that this guy could be an All Star player one day, and especially when you have Kawhi, yeah. you know, not really committed to staying here. This could be the next guy up, you know, homegrown who want to stay. Um, he enjoys his teammates. He enjoys the organization. He enjoys the coaching. Um, so when you when you got a guy who's homegrown like that, you really are at a big uh, advantage. I think we really sleep as well on the impact that the Raptors have had on him as a player, right? Exactly. Like it's, it's nuts. Like the the amount of opportunity you give him, and you throw him in the D League and nine oh five champion player development year in year out, and it's just look at guys like Van Vliet, Delon Wright, uh, Norman. Even these guys are coming up through our farm team, and they're. Yeah. Year over year, just becoming a lot better. I think he's shown probably the most improvement, but it's yeah. it goes to show our PD is really good. Our D League team is really really good. I know we had Jerry uh, Stack in there last, last year, the co- last couple of years. So um, got to really attribute it to that. And I think he also thinks about that, and he thinks about the plethora of opportunities that we've given right. him. And this is a kid who's played basketball at age of seventeen and could now be in for a huge payday. So, but now what what I want to see from Pascal. Um, especially with him being a young rising star, um, the only negative thing that I saw when comparing him this season and last season was that his assist to turnover ratio went down. So either, you know, he's obviously focusing more on the offensive end, not really focusing more at putting the ball in the bucket, but he's also losing the ball more. And that obviously comes with, you know, increased touches, increased handling the ball. But you look at a guy who's, you know, he's only in his third year in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still trying to learn the game, you know what I mean? So... That comes just with more experience, you know, watching tape, learning how yeah. to deal with certain situations. So once he kind of gets a good handle on the ball, um, I think it's going to be great for, for, for him. And, you know, we've got him signed to 2021. He becomes a restricted free agent. He's In 2021, he's going to be 26. Mm-hmm. You know, Raptors probably give him a good deal for the rest of his prime. And then, you know, this is a guy that you can look at him and be yeah. like, you know, you might be the next franchise player for the Raptors. Yeah. And one disappointing um, surprise for me is the Washington Wizards. Um, you sign a guy like John Wall to a max deal, um, getting thirty-eight million, forty-one million, forty-four million, forty-seven million. The next, not this year, but the next four years. It's a highway robbery. Exactly. And you sign him, and you see the picture that he took uh, coming into the USA camp, and how overweight Fat. he looked, and looked like he hadn't been sleeping for days. He, he ate like nice. He was homeless. Um, he ate nice. You know, you can't be you can't be having that attitude after a. a, a Signing a super max deal, mm-hmm. um, and you know, 
you, you, you get your money locked up with John Wall. You've got Bradley Beal on a five-year, $127 million deal. He's not happy there. And he's not happy there. But he's a good player. He's still producing, but he's not happy to be there. So he's not going to produce as much as you want him to. And then you also got Otto Porter signed to a four-year, $160 million <laughs> deal. You've essentially buried yourself in three guys who one guy's fat and out of shape, can't play. One guy doesn't want to play for your team. And one guy hasn't shown an Otto Porter any sort of improvement from what you were expecting. I believe, I believe he got that deal, you know, a lot of it was locking down DeMar DeRozan yeah, in the yeah. playoffs, um, being the defensive stopper, long, athletic, and he has shown no sort of improvement yeah. on the offensive end, and I'm sure he stayed the exact same on the defensive end. So you've locked yourself into three players, and you sign a guy like Scott Brooks, who just... You've seen what he's done with a tantrum of two guys. Mm-hmm. You see, like, you know, you talk about... What, what you talk about Bradley Beal? Exactly, what he hasn't. You talk about Bradley Beal, you talk about John Wall. And you see what he did with KD and Russ. No system, just, you know... Russ and KD taking turns. You see a guy who... And they invested five years, $35 million with this guy yep. in 2016. So you've locked yourself long-term into four guys who you expect to lead your franchise and you can't do anything about it. You can't move John Wall. You want to move Bradley Beal. Nothing's been happening. And I'm sure nobody's going to take Otto Porter um, with his fat contract. So really disappointing to see the Wizards. Yep. Obviously, as a Raptors fan, we love to see the Wizards <laughs> fail because they For swept sure. us that one year and they beat us another year. Um, but... As as an as a team, you really you really disappointed, and they they just snuck by last year into the playoffs at the eighth seed. Yeah. So now they're eleventh in the East. So you know good. it's not looking good. It's all it's it's pretty much time for them you know to to blow it up. Kind of like the what yep. the Raptors did a little bit, make me make some key movements, but yeah. it's really time for them to blow it up. Yeah. And to that point, too, you look at the Rockets, and and that's been a huge disappointment coming off a sixty five win season. Last year was the year they were up three two on the Warriors. This was it. And then all of a sudden, CP3 goes down and yeah, your whole gone. franchise goes to shambles. You lose Trevor Ariza. You lose Ryan Anderson. You lose Luke Mbamute. You gain Melo, and then you lose Melo. Uh, you lock in CP for another four years at 40 mil minimum per What's year. He, 32 years old now? He's, He's out of his prime. This was just a boneheaded signing by Daryl Morey, in my opinion. I think... Um, it was just a one-year a one thing, and he goes down with the injury. Now he's, you know, now we're looking at that, and, and we're disappointed as basketball fans in general. You want to see the Rockets. You want to see a team challenging the Warriors, not yeah. not crumble like this. So it, it has been a, a bit of a disappointment in that regard. Um, but we do kind of want to wrap up the first episode. Uh, with that, I think we did cover a lot of what happened so far in the season in terms of uh, trades, acquisitions, some rookies, um, some surprises, some greats, and some ups and some downs as well, right? So you look at a couple of disappointments and, and, and all that. So uh, we do thank you guys for tuning in. If you have any feedback for us, it is really important. As It's my first time ever doing a podcast in Alex AIDS as well. Too, so uh, we're not experts uh, We're not experts by any means. So definitely let us know what you think. And, uh, and uh, subscribe. Tune in, subscribe. Yeah.